The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's according to Franklin D. Roosevelt, the US president until 1945. But many of us wake up with the fear all the time. There's plenty of things in this world that scare me. Can fear really be used as a force for good? My name's Ed Knowles, and this is the Olympic Channel podcast. Each week, we take a topic and we get someone Olympic to talk about it because, well, why not learn from the best? We want to help you think just like an Olympian. So what are you scared of? Today, we speak to some athletes who, on the surface, have conquered their fears. This is going to be a win for the United States. It's a brilliant ride for Connor Fields. The emotion, that's the effect that winning a gold medal can have. Connor Fields won BMX gold for USA at Rio 2016. It's a dangerous sport. So, does he scare easily? I don't live my life looking at what could go wrong. I, I live it looking at what could go right. And we talk facing fear tactics with pro skateboarder Shuriken Shannon. Land it. That's, that's the main thing. I'm going to land it. Plus, we find out the fears of the skateboarding community as the sport prepares to join the Olympics at Tokyo 2020. So let's start with Connor Fields. He was the first American to take Olympic BMX gold at Rio 2016. But age 25, he's already considered a veteran of the sport. It's a young person's game for a reason. It's really dangerous. People have every right to be scared. So let's find out what makes BMX so difficult. The way that I best describe BMX is it's about a 35 to 40 second all out sprint. You go through a course that's around 400 meters long. Uh, my favorite thing about BMX, and one of the reasons I love it, is because every course is different. You need speed out of the start. You need strength, similar to a 100-meter sprinter. Uh, you need balance and proprioception of a gymnast. You need the endurance of like a 400-meter sprinter because you're not pacing yourself. You're sprinting for 30 to 40 seconds. And you need the mentality of a fighter. It's full contact. You will get hit, and you need to hit others out there and anything can happen. And you have to have that mindset going in of, I am willing to do whatever it takes to beat these other seven guys in the gate. So we'll have more from Connor in a moment. But first, Andrew Binner was our man who did that interview in Las Vegas, and he's here with me now. Hi, Ed. Yep, I was lucky enough to spend the day with Connor, and he took us to his local skate park and his home, and he really made us realise exactly what it takes to be a BMX rider. So... It's really dangerous, right? To the average sportsman like you and me, Ed, yes, I would definitely say so. Connor seemed to play down that danger aspect, though, rightly pointing out that bad injuries do in fact happen at all sports at elite level. But the amount of broken bones in this sport for me has to be higher than in things like football, volleyball and baseball, for example. I mean, baseball isn't really a contact sport, is it? I mean... The ball is pretty hard, but even so, realistically, things have got to go pretty wrong for there to be a real danger. The risk is measured there. And football is on grass. Uh, the risks are definitely higher than average for BMX, on the surface, at least for me. Yep, absolutely. It's a very tough environment. Uh, just take Sam Willoughby's story. Uh, so he's an Australian BMXer that was one of Connor's fiercest rivals throughout his whole career mm. until he suffered a horrible training ground accident in the USA that left him with no movement from the waist down. Yeah, he's made an incredible recovery from being told that he would never walk again. Getting on a bike earlier this month and standing at his wedding, they're both really impressive, all things considered. Here's Connor again on Sam's absolutely amazing journey. 
I've been competing against Sam pretty much my whole career. We're about the same age. And so I'm not surprised in the least to see the progress that he's made. You know, he, as a racer, he was to the point of, it was like scary the amount of determination that he had. He was the last person you would want behind you. And I'm not surprised at all that he's been able to get to the point where he's at. And I don't think he's going to stop until he gets to the point where he wants to be. And that's just the mindset that he had. And that's what made him such an amazing athlete. And that's what's going to make him successful in his rehab and at whatever else he decides to do in life. Yeah, I mean, that's a really extreme example. Really incredible story. Amazing guy. Just to get on the bike after not being able to walk or being told that you can't walk ever again. It's just like absolutely top top respect for him when you see someone after an accident like that that's got to have an effect mentally on the rest of the field surely i mean we're all humans aren't we it must have some sort of effect but having spoken to connor i'm actually really undecided to what extent it has an effect no matter what sport you do you're always going to have a risk of injury and there's always going to be things that come up um, no matter what sport you're in and i think part of an elite athlete is being able to get injured and how they react and how they can come back from it um, no matter what the injury is, you know, there's always going to be a process of therapy and rehab and, and coming back and getting back to your full form. And um, I think in our sport, especially, that's something that you have to be good at and you have to be tough and resilient. And um, again, that's where the, the mindset of a fighter comes. You know, you, you get knocked out one fight and you got to get right back in the ring again. That's part of it. So tell us about the worst injury you've ever had and mentally and physically how you came back from it. The worst injury I've ever had is a broken heart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the worst injury I've ever had would be between two. So I broke my wrist uh, before Rio. It was on April 1st that I broke it. And I actually called my girlfriend to tell her I broke my wrist and she thought I was joking because it was April Fool's Day. Um, but the bone was broken so bad that the bone actually died. The blood stopped flowing to it and they had to cut a piece of bone from up here, screw it in here, and then fill that hole that they made with a piece of cadaver bone. And they had to hope that the uh, live bone that they screwed into the dead bone would bring the bone back to life. So it was like a six hour surgery and it was the most excruciating pain for about two weeks when I woke up. Um, and then I had to go back after the Olympics to get all the metal taken out to be able to move. Um, so now it's, it's pretty much normal. I can't quite bend it all the way here. But other than that, it's, it's pretty much normal. The other one that I had was pretty bad. I had a crash when I was about 15. And uh, the handlebar hit me in the stomach and I lacerated my spleen. So I had internal bleeding. And I had to be flight for life uh, in a helicopter to a hospital to uh, control that bleeding. Uh, and I was in the hospital for about a week. So mentally, how do you come back from that? You must be very timid going back on the bike after something like that. Yeah, I mean, the first couple of times you ride, you might be a little bit timid. Um, I don't live my life looking at what could go wrong. I, I live it looking at what could go right. Perhaps the type of person that competes in BMX at this level are guys and girls that just don't have that same rational fear that mm. you or I would have on a bike head. Yeah, well, I would definitely have the, the fear. But there's one question that I'd really, really like to know the answer to, and that's how do you keep your head when there's clearly so much at risk? I mean, at least in corners, it seems as simple as it's just his personality. It's a young man's sport. Um, and I don't think that is because physically you're not able to compete anymore at a certain age. But I think you have to have an element of... I don't want to say it's carelessness, but you have to throw caution into the wind and be okay with the fact that it's a dangerous sport. And um, I think for me, you know, you look at 
most dangerous sports, it's primarily young young guys and young girls that are doing it. You know, you're not going to see a, a 40 or a 50 year old doing sport climbing. Um, it's dangerous, and so yeah, it's definitely a young man's sport. And it's weird to consider myself a veteran at 25 or to be. You know, I've had races where I'm the oldest or the second oldest guy out there at 25, which is pretty crazy. Um, and it's funny even to talk about my fr- talk with friends like, oh, I might retire around you know 30. Like retire at 30? Like that's so crazy. But that's yeah, just part of it. As soon as you start thinking twice, I think that's when you're kind of done. You have to go into our sport with a little bit of a reckless abandon. You know, it's it's a fight out there, and it's full contact, and anything can happen, uh, and you never know, you know, and as soon as you stop and you're, you're thinking too much about that side of it, you're not going to be performing at your best anymore. I would say that once you've hit the ground a few times, you definitely, you might decide at, at certain events, yeah, I'm not going to go for that move. I'm just going to live to fight another day today where, you know, 16, 17 year old me might have just thrown caution into the wind and gone for it. So BMX seems like one of those sports where risk is rewarded. So you're going to crash out sometimes, you can't avoid that. But if you play hard and fight, then I guess you might end up out on top. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do, isn't it? I think it's very comparable to something like snowboarding or skiing in the halfpipe. Just look at someone like Sean White. Now, here's a guy that's had numerous horrible accidents. For example, at Sochi and in training in New Zealand just before he came back and won the gold medal at Pyeongchang. There is no doubt that in these sports you have to be brave to get back on the bike, so to Mm. speak. But I genuinely believe they wouldn't get back on the bike or the snowboard if they had these major doubts about getting injured again. Thanks, Andrew. So with Connor, it seems like he's comfortable in sports. He knows the risks and he's not scared of them. That's not to say he's not aware of them. He just deals with it. Surely, though, there has to be something to be learned from these people who take risks with their body for their sport. Mackenzie Collins was in LA and she met up with the skateboarder Shuriq and Shannon. Now, these street skaters throw themselves down staircases and rails with just a wooden board on wheels. With that in mind, Mackenzie was interested to know if skaters feared anything at all. But she started off by asking if there was anything in skating that scared Shuriken. Right when you hit the board, you're always thinking about, you know, what your, your next move is, you know, no matter what, if you're going to push down the street or bomb a hill or you're going to approach a big rail, you know, I'm, more, I'm already thinking about the bail. I'm already thinking about how to get out of something. So, you know, that's more my fear of, like, not knowing how to get out of something. So, you know, the more I think about it and I, like, kind of analyze it more and I, like, zone in on it and I'll, I'll start to figure it out and I'll start to feel more comfortable about myself and then, you know, I'll go about doing it and then, you know, eventually I'll, I'll, I'll come to terms and I'll get it. So. What goes through your mind before you hit a rail or a jump? What goes through my pole? 10,000 things going through my head. <laughs> well, uh, one, land it. That's, that's the main thing. I'm going to land it. You know, that's one thing that uh, with uh, something like that, you like, if you overthink certain things, it's just, that's just going to like consume you basically. So, you know, more, more the less you overthink it, the better it's going to be for you. So, but your you know, statement is, kinda, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm more I'm more like, I'm going to land this, you know. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm going to get hurt, or like, that's, you messed up right there. You're thinking, I'm going to get hurt, or I'm going to do this. Like, I'm, I'm already thinking, I'm going to do it in my head. So, that's one thing I want to stick with. If most things to do with skating don't scare you, what mm. does? 
Like, is it spiders? Is it snakes? <laughs> like, what's your, you have to have a fear. Well, my legs, I'm always a fear of hurting my legs, you know, hurting my knees, or my toes, my ankles, you know, in that, in that sense, you know, uh, that's, then I can't do anything. I can't skate, you know, I can't, and I feel like I have a certain freedom when I do skate, you know, so, you know, when I do get injured, it's like, I have a sense of like, what, I don't even know what to do, <laughs> you know, so, uh, that would probably be one fear to say. And what about your mom? What does your mom think about you skating? Is she ever scared or like? Uh, for the most part, my mom was, you know, supportive. She never really kind of cared too much to say. Like, oh, as long as he's having fun, cool, great. Like, do what you need to do. And my dad was more like, yo, when are you getting a job, dude? Like, no, come on. How old are you now? Like, you, I'm like, dude, dad, I know what I'm doing. I believe in my vision. And I don't care what anybody says. And I'm, I'm going to get to it regardless of how I'm going to do it. So... And, uh, you know, it happened. <laughs> well, speaking about conquering fear, what advice would you give to a young skater coming up in which their family didn't support their skate career? I'm not saying your dad didn't. He clearly yeah. does. He just had yeah, real concerns yeah. for you, no. but it's a real thing. It's, uh, you know, because it's, it's real. You know, skateboarding is skateboarding. It's, it's, a, it's basically a toy. You're flipping around a, a piece of wood and, you know, doing tricks that, you know, many people can't even fathom. But there's that's an outlet and there's a source of, you know, of you know living in there too you know so uh for the kids that don't have that support you know i've i i haven't seen anybody get stopped by that you know one person's opinion doesn't mean anything you know it's, it's i mean it is your parents it's cool like you should take their word for everything but if you have a vision and you see a goal in yourself and you really believe in yourself no one can say anything so yes basically everyone is scared of something but one thing skateboarding as a community is concerned about at the moment is skating at the Olympic Games. Should there be a worry? It's definitely come a long way. You know, uh, I've seen uh, the, uh, the obstacles with skateboarding. You know, it's, it definitely goes ups and, up and down. It has its ups and downs and stuff like that. But uh, it's definitely an interesting topic, and it's, I'm definitely curious to what, you know, to come out of that. You know, uh, there's going to be a lot of people. There's, like, over hundreds of skateboarders so you know uh the ones that are really going to be selected for you know the u.s or you know japan or wherever there else they go it's going to be it's going to be amazing to see the great skateboarding that's about to come you know and it's, it's cool because it gets to open up you know worldwide you know so people that don't know what skateboarding is they would be like oh what is this people doing this wow this is really interesting you know and it's it's a lifestyle too so i think people are really going to grasp that too and run with that i mean i know you have a ton of friends in mm -hmm. the skate industry how yeah. much resistance has there been to skating coming to as an olympic discipline we don't see skateboarding as a competition you know it's like it's it's freedom you know like we, we don't rate one another you know it's like hard to rate one another when there's so much diversity you know like nobody's the best in my eyes nobody's the best you know because they could be so good but he still won't be the best there's there's different types of skateboarding. that's what's great so it's like uh you know, it's it's different, but uh, uh, I definitely see a good thing out of it. You know, it's it's like I said, it's going to open up you know doors to people. You know, people that have never seen skateboarding are going to be like, what is going on? So, you know, get with the plan. <laughs> get with the plan. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, with snowboarding, there was a lot of skepticism before about the Olympic inclusion, but now you see big deals with Sean White, Jamie Anderson. Does skating need the cash? <laughs> 
it needs the cash for the riders. <laughs> Industry got enough cash. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I would feel like, you know, giving back to the riders, that's what really puts in so much work. You know, we put in our life, you know, years of dedication and, you know, to becoming something, to get good at something and to have, a, you know, an outlet and a source and an industry for it, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, supporting the people that really make everything happen it would be ideal, you know, and it's just like, that's what it needs to open up more, you know, like really give back to the people that are really making it happen and people really enjoying that, so. Skateboarding will be at Tokyo 2020. There's no doubt it's been confirmed. And when it comes to skateboarding at the Olympics, there's one guy everyone is already talking about for the gold medal, Niger Houston. He bridges the gap between street skating and contests. He's amazing at both. And Shuriken agrees. Niger's Niger, to say, you know, uh, he's, he's definitely at a crazy level, you know, and he's, he's the type of dude that he's grown up doing these contests, and, you know, that's, like, he know, even though he does all the street stuff, too, he's amazing at it, it's insane at the level it is, but uh, it, he just has it like that, you know, it's like, you know, for me, I, I've never been able to sit at a skate park and just train. I didn't have that outlet to do that. You know, all those parks pop up now, like people just sit there and train for hours. For me, I had to go out in the street and just learn out in the streets and do it like that. So, you know, uh, for me, it would be a little harder to, you know, compete with that because he's just at a level that's just insane. So, you know, uh, but that's what's cool. You know, I, I feel like, you know, people like myself will bring something new to the table where, you see what Nigel does, but you don't see what I do and someone like me does, and they, people can find that more interesting than that. What parts of skating culture do you think need to be protected? Holding value with videos nowadays in the sense of, like, I just did this 20 stair and you don't care. Like, what? Like, this is insane. I almost died and you don't care. Like, that's what I'm saying, though. Nigel almost died for some of this stuff in his part, and I feel like some people just, like, don't care. I'm like, that kind of sucks, dude. Like... So I wish they, you know, hold more value in that. So if you liked all this talk about facing your fear, then maybe you should check out our Olympic channel doc called Speedboarders. The film takes you into the world's greatest downhill skateboarding race through the eyes of some of the top male and female competitors. If you put Speedboarders and Olympic channel into a search engine, then it should come up for you. So before we go this week, it's marathon season and I've never done one, but I've always been intrigued. I am a total softie by admission and that weather in Boston looked absolutely brutal. So I am glad not to have gone anywhere near that one. Total respect to you if you did manage to finish that and it was your first go. Although the weather did throw up some interesting results. I can't believe that complete unknown Sarah Sellers came in second in the women's. She's apparently already gone back to being a nurse now. Amazing story. And if you thought that weather was bad in Boston, well, then what about the North Pole? Chuck in Olympic Channel North Pole Marathon into a surge engine and you'll see what I'm going on about. Podcast shout out of the week goes to By Association. It's a podcast with these short little stories about football. So there was one about the guy who wrote the UEFA Champions League song. And then there's another about an amateur pub team who ended up playing the second best team in Vietnam in the 90s. It's all really nicely written and the stories are always really interesting and different. Thanks to Jan on Twitter who gave us a shout out. That was much appreciated. Always nice to hear from people. So do get in touch if you are in the mood. 
And any suggestions for what we should be doing, then give us a shout out on Olympic Channel across all social platforms and give us a follow there too. Until next time.